Hallelujah. If you're a believer in this house, would you thank him for that divine exchange? Come on, all over this house, can we give him praise this morning? Can you lift up your voice if you're a believer and give him praise? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Man, it's good to be in the house of the Lord today, isn't it? You all look so nice, so very nice. For all you sons and daughters, I know that uh, you have made your mother and your grandmother's day by being here. All of our guests, just thank you from the fullness of our hearts. If you have your Bibles, would you go to the book of Acts? And those of you joining us online, we're welcoming you. We're glad to have you. Here's a little bit of humor for you. At our age, we can hide our own Easter eggs, wait an hour, and have no idea where we put them. But that's okay. We're still here. We're going to read from Acts chapter 5 and look at verse 30. If you're with us, say amen. They should put it up on the screen. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. I'm going to talk to you this morning on why the cross matters. Why the cross matters. Why is it relevant to us 2,000 years later? Father, in the name of Jesus, would you just anoint my mind and my mouth and help me to speak, Lord, into this beautiful congregation, the word of the Lord. And may it, Lord, be like a seed that is planted and bring forth fruit in due season. And we give you thanks for each and every one that is here today. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody say amen. amen. God bless you. You can be seated. So here's the question that all of us ask. Here it is. Why should something done over 2,000 years ago matter to us today? Well, there's actually numerous reasons why it still matters to us. But here are just a few. The cross absorbs all of the wrath of God. Every sin that every one of us commit must be judged by God because God is a just God. And because God is just, then every sin, every sin must be judged by Him. And because our sin is serious against God, a serious offense then God takes it serious and He brings out His wrath upon every sin. And this is why in the Old Testament you would see that Jesus, or pardon me, God, Jehovah, would pour out His wrath, especially in the Old Testament. But what makes the difference, brothers and sisters, is that between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there was a mediator... Jesus Christ the righteous who mediated between God and man and Jesus absorbed all of the wrath of every sin that you and I have ever committed. Jesus took it upon himself. Amen. 
Now, if you don't get a revelation of the seriousness of your sin, then you'll just act like, well, it's no big deal. But brothers and sisters, our sin is a big deal. Because it is an offense against God. Because anytime we sin, what we're really doing is we're worshiping an idol. Because every sin is a flight against the emptiness in our soul. And God didn't give us a suggestion. He gave us a command. He said, I want you to worship me with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. I understand it's Easter and all of you look really nice. But I didn't come here this morning to dress this message up and to give you a cute little sermonette for Christianettes. I've come this morning to remind us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the good news is, is that Jesus mediated between God and man. And now we can come boldly to the throne of grace to ask for help in our time of need. That's one reason why we can rejoice this morning is, is that Jesus absorbed all of the wrath of God. Now, here's what the scripture says in 1 John 4 and 10. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us. I'm going to just keep saying it. I know we say we found God, but we didn't find God. He found us. Because we were the ones that were dead in trespasses and sin. Brothers and sisters, can I just tell you, somebody may have invited you here, but bigger than that, God is drawing you here. Because except God draw us, we can't come. What's your point? I'm saying that God loves us so much that he sent his one and only son to die upon an old cruel cross to show you that I'll take you in your sin and in your transgression because my love is bigger than anything you've ever done. He found us. We didn't find him. Why? Because of his great love. Listen, there are some times I wake up and I don't really feel God. I'm tired. Maybe my week has been stressful. I've gone through a lot. I don't really feel God. And it's sometimes easy to say, I wonder if God loves me. Can I just remind you, anytime you look at the cross, you are looking at the personification of love. He loves you, even though you may not feel it this morning. You may not even really feel God this morning, but I'm going to tell you, He loves you. And He knows right where you are at. Come on, somebody. God loves you. He loves you so much that He would send His one and only Son, so that whomsoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Here's another reason why the cross is relevant today. Because it shows the wealth of God's love and grace for every one of us in this room. Brothers and sisters, maybe you, you know, maybe you feel real good about yourself and that's good. I'm glad, but I'm going to tell you something. Had it not been for the grace of God, I don't know where I would be this morning. I can promise you I wouldn't be up on this stage. If I'd have had my way, I would have been a drummer in a rock and roll band. I've told y'all this story before. I hope y'all plan on staying a while because I plan on preaching a while. 
I told y'all this story before, but you know what? I, I could play. I wasn't the greatest drummer, but I could play decent. And I had this group call me and I went over and uh, I, I set up, you know, and I, I practiced. And, you know, again, I'm <clears throat> not the greatest, but I, I, I could get around. And I will tell you, it was like I had two left feet and I couldn't play worth a flip. And I, it was it was the worst I'd ever done in my life. It was because God had a plan for me and it wasn't being a drummer in a rock and roll band. Can I just tell you that the steps are ordered of the Lord. And sometimes you didn't know why the door closed. It was because that wasn't where you were supposed to walk. God has got a plan for you. Oh, I wish I had some folk up in here that believe this word. I'm going to tell you, God doesn't have plan B. He only has plan A. And if you're running this morning, what are you running from? Because if he catches you, all he's going to do is love you. He's got a good plan for you. Because he loves you. And I'm so thankful for his grace. Why is the cross relevant today? Here's a reason Here's a reason. Money may be able to provide a trip around the world, but I don't care how much money you have, it can't provide a home in heaven. Come on, somebody. Money may be able to provide you with a therapist and you go in and talk to that therapist about your past. I'm not against that. I have a counselor in my life, very much for it. But I'm going to tell you something. Your therapist can only help you so much. But God can forgive your past. God can give you a heart transplant. Come on, I'm talking about he's a good doctor. What do you mean by that? I still bring my anger to the Lord and say, God, I got an angry heart, but I want a peaceful heart. God, I've got some things in my spirit, but Lord, I want to have a heart that is after you. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but if you would get honest with yourself, some of you still have anger in your heart and bitterness in your heart and resentment, but only God can give you a heart transplant. And he don't leave any scars. He'll change your life. You'll walk in one way and walk out another. Are you with me this morning? Amen. Not only does the cross matter, but the way Jesus lived his life matters. If Jesus, think about this, if Jesus had gone from his birth to his cross and he had not experienced rejection, and temptation, and disappointment, then he wouldn't know how that we felt. But the scripture says that he was tempted in all points like we are. In other words, God wasn't just born and then hurry up and said, just let me hurry up and get to the cross so I can get all this over with. Let me just hurry up so I can get back to my home in heaven. No, brothers and sisters, he walked it out. He knows exactly what you are facing because he was tempted in every point like we are. In other words, if you're facing a dilemma, God knows how that feels. In other words, if you've had somebody betray you, God knows how that feels. In other words, if people have lied on you, mocked you, and ridiculed you, God knows how you feel. That's why Jesus is important. Because here's what the scripture says in Hebrews 4 and 15. For we do not have a high priest 
who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Anybody got any weaknesses? The rest of you just lied. Come on, anybody got any weaknesses? Sure, we all do. But we have a high priest that sympathizes with our weaknesses. He understands our struggles, our griefs. He knows what life is all about. This is what the scripture says. But it, but in all points, he was tempted as we are. Here's the difference. Yet without sin. So Jesus was God in the flesh when he walked on this earth. But he faced every temptation that you and I face. So if anyone can understand where we are, Jesus understands. Can I get a witness? I said that Jesus understands. He knows what it is to get frustrated. Anybody ever been frustrated? Well, think about the time when Jesus went to, to the garden and started praying. He had three of his disciples with him, right? And he was praying. And he went back and he said, Hey guys, I need you to pray. But if you read the scripture, you'll find out where they fell asleep. I never really noticed this until now. But Jesus didn't need his disciples. He never needed his disciples until right now. And this is the first time he needed them and really asked anything of them. So he goes back the second time, wakes them up and says, Hey men, I really need you to help me. I need you right now. Will you not pray with me one hour? He goes back off. They go back asleep. Brothers and sisters, this happens three times. He goes and he asks them, will you not tarry with me and pray with me one hour? And all three times they fall asleep and they're not there for him. Now I know it's not a big deal to you because you didn't live it. Right? But think about if you had invested three years, three and a half years of your life in these men. You had poured yourself into these men. You haven't asked anything of them. You've only given to them. And now in your hour of need, you need these guys to pour back into you and they're asleep. I'm going to tell you something. If you'd be honest, you'd get a little resentful. A little bitter. I mean, come on, guys. I've been pouring myself into you for three and a half years and you can't even stay up one hour and pray with me? Can anybody relate to that? Yeah, it would have been easy for Jesus to get resentful. But let me tell you, he never fell into the trap of being bitter or resentful or unforgiveness. In fact, when Jesus hung on the cross, he prayed for those who did him evil. And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So I'm just here to tell you that Jesus knows precisely where you are and He knows what you're going through because He faced the same temptation when He walked upon the earth. He walked it out. That's why He said, I'll be a friend that will stick closer than any brother. I'll help you walk this out. I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning, but I'm going to tell you 
Jesus will help you walk it out. That's why he's relevant this morning because you can only do so much on willpower and then you need to transfer to God's power. You need to understand I have my limitations but he has no limitations. He will work through your limitations to show you his greatness. Can I keep talking this morning? Now, I want you to just notice something that when you look at Jesus on the cross, okay, it was the fruit of the Spirit that He bore on that cross that changed the world that day. It wasn't the gifts. Hmm. All right, I'm fixing to get to the heart of this, and I don't know how much more I'll get into it, but I just want you to think about something. Okay, the verse that I read, it says that Jesus was hung upon a tree. A tree bears fruit. That tree, that day that Jesus hung upon, he bore all nine fruit of the Spirit. It is the only tree that has ever bore nine different fruit. And it was not, hang on, it wasn't the gifts that changed the world because it was 50 days later on the day of Pentecost that the gift showed up. But I'm going to tell you how Jesus changed the world. It was because he bore every fruit of the Spirit on that tree. And he did it for you and for me. Did that make sense? Here's what the scripture says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Right? That's what he says. And then we know the measure of God's love by his great sacrifice to save us. Because here's what the scripture says. Why we were yet sinners. Can I talk to you? Why we were still sinners. In other words, we hadn't prayed. We hadn't fasted. We hadn't given tithe. We didn't run a bus route. We hadn't taught a Bible study. Why we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. And here's what I want to tell you. It's foolish to think that once we become Christians uh, that God gets mad at us then. No, if He loved us when we were sinners, uh, He still loves us when we're trying to be saints. Uh, even though we mess up uh, and we don't do it right, uh, He knows, uh, He understands our weaknesses. Uh, he was tempted at all points as we are, yet without sin. Uh, and the God that loved us when we were sinners, uh, He keeps on loving us even though we are perfect. Yet. Oh, come on. Did you understand that all major religions, every major religion, it's all about what you can do for that God. Christianity is the only religion that says you don't have to do for me because I've already done it for you. 
Do you need healing in your body? 1 Peter 2 and 24. By his stripes ye were healed. You need forgiveness while you were yet sinners. He already provided forgiveness. Do you need a blessing? Ephesians tells us he has blessed us past tense with all spiritual blessings. It's already done. All we have to do now is receive it by grace through faith. The atonement and the finished work of Jesus Christ. Jesus said this, these things I have spoken to you that your joy might be full. That your joy might be full. You say, Pastor, how can I have joy when there's so much pain and fear and anguish going on? Here's what the scripture says. That Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. I'm not saying that every day is a cloud nine day. But here is where you get your main joy, okay? Even though I'm going through it right now, I look beyond the temporal and I see the eternal. As Jesus looked beyond the cross and he saw 300 plus people that was going to come on a Sunday morning. And he said, you know what? I'll do it for you and I'll do it for you and I'll do it for you. You can, you can make the choice not to accept me, but I love you so much to give you a choice. I'm going to leave it up to you. That's how much I love you. And he looked beyond the cross for the joy that was set before him because he knew that there was going to be somebody on a Sunday morning that would lay down the idol and say there's only one God and his name is Jesus and I'm going to worship him with all of my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength. Somebody give God some praise up in this house. You say, Pastor, there's not a lot to be joyful about today. Here's where you can have joy. You ready? My sins are forgiven. I have a purpose for living. And I have a home in heaven. And no, it don't always turn out the way that I want it to. But I look into the invisible realm. And I see those things that are not as though they were. And I have a joy and a hope that says I've got a home in heaven. Because Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. That where I am, there you may be also. So Jesus exhibited the fruit of love on the cross. He exhibited the fruit of joy on the cross because He looked beyond it to see all of us here today. Then Jesus said in John 14 and 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace... I give you. How can you have peace? You say, Pastor, there is so much fear now. There's so much going on in this world. How can I have peace? Because, brothers and sisters, my hope is not anchored in the U.S. government. My hope is not anchored in this economy. I thank God for America. I thank God for our jobs. I thank God for the money that God provides for us. But listen, my hope is anchored in Jesus. And my peace is knowing that He gives me a peace that shall pass my human understanding. And while you're going through the worst trial of your life... 
and your friends look at you saying you ought to lose your mind but you have a peace you have an anchor you have a rock you have a knowing because what you know is what gets you through I know that God brought me through before and I know he's going to bring me through again I can have a peace. Why? Because Jesus mediated all of God's wrath. And I can have peace toward God and now toward man. See, the Bible says this, that peace on earth, goodwill toward man. It wasn't talking about there be no more fighting. What that is referring to is that Jesus absorbed the wrath of God so that he would no longer pour it out on us for our sins. And now we could live in peace and we didn't have to live afraid. I have peace, brothers and sisters, that even when I sin, I have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who is faithful and just to cleanse me of my sin. Does that make sense? Amen. Here's Romans 8 and 31. If God is for us, who could be against us? We can have peace in knowing that if people reject us. Can I say it here? I said, if people reject us, God accepts us. I want your approval. I really do. I like people. I want people to like me. But the bottom line is this. I don't have to have your approval to have God's approval. And I can have peace in that. I want it. I want you to like me because I like people. But at the end of the day, if you just don't like the way I part my hair. (laughs) That came out too quick. I, I, I don't know that I can part it. What are you laughing at, Chad? Yeah. I love you. But for whatever reason, you may not like someone. They don't have to have your approval to have God's approval. Because if God be for us, who can be against us? So I don't have to go around with knots in my stomach worrying about who likes me and who don't. I want to live for an audience of one. And if you like me, man, praise God. But if you don't, I want to please Him. I want to please Him. I want to please Him. And that brings me peace. Here's what Romans 8 and 33 says. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies I don't have time to get into this Bible lesson, but justification is a verdict. It means just as if you never did it. Justification is a declaration. When you ask God to forgive you of your sins, when you do that, when you ask God to forgive you of your sins, He declares you righteous. And He takes your old garment of sin and He imputes to you His righteousness. It's not because we're just. It's because He is just and He takes our sin and He gives us His righteousness. Come on, somebody. That's why nobody can lay any charge to you. They can't condemn you. Why? Because Jesus took all the condemnation on himself on the cross. There is therefore now no condemnation. Why? Because Jesus has paid for it all. Mm. Look at 2 Peter 3 and 9. Here it is. 
The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise as some count slowness, but is patient, patient, not willing that any should perish. How many hands do I have here this morning? God's been patient with you. Mm -hmm. Aren't you thankful for that? So you had to understand Jesus bore the fruit of patience on the cross. He endured it. He patiently endured the cross. See, the reason why God is tarrying His coming right now is because He's patient. And one more day gives Him one more opportunity to bring salvation to one more life. Why is God waiting? He is waiting because He is not willing that any should perish. And we are praying as Christians, come Lord Jesus. And God is saying, you just be patient because I got a brother of yours that I'm working on. You just be patient because I got an auntie of yours I'm working on. You just be patient because I got a brother-in-law of yours I'm working on. Yes. So God doesn't give up on us. Aren't you thankful? Because Jesus has tasted our struggles Look at Psalm 148 and 8. It says, The Lord is gracious and merciful. He is slow. Slow to anger. Aren't you thankful? Because if I ask for a show of hands, how many of you are fast to get angry? Uh huh. Yeah, a lot of us. But He is slow. To anger. Aren't you thankful for that? Amen. He's slow to anger. And I know that there was a famous preacher that said sinners are in the hands of an angry God. But I'm here to tell you we're in the hands of a merciful God. You know why? Because he is slow to anger. See, God doesn't get involved with you to decrease you. God gets involved with you to increase you. He wants to show His goodness to you. He wants to be slow to anger. Now listen, God will eventually discipline you, but He doesn't do it out of His wrath, and He doesn't do it from His abuse. He does it from His love. So God exhibited love, joy, peace. He exhibited patience upon the cross, God also exhibited faithfulness. When we say that God is faithful, what we mean when we say that is He is totally trustworthy. Your God is not a God that He should lie. And neither the Son of Man that He should repent. If God has told you your children are going to be saved, then you hang on to that word. Your kids may not look like they're going to be saved this morning. They may be running in the opposite direction. But you hear this man of God. If God has spoken you a word and you know it was God, He is not a man that He should lie. He is trustworthy. You can take it to the bank. Here's what 2 Timothy 2 and 13 says. If we are faithless, He remains faithful. Mm, I know every hand in this room would be lifted because we haven't always been faithful. But He has. He's never stopped being faithful. 
Why? Because he cannot deny himself. He is faithful, brothers and sisters, to restore and to pardon and to keep those who are truly his. Here's what the scripture says. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. See, the God that we serve is gentle. I'm going to just break this down real quick. What God was saying, He was actually speaking to the Pharisees when He said this. Because the Pharisees would put heavy yokes upon people. The yoke of the law and the bondage of the law and the letter of the law. And the Lord Jesus Christ was saying to the scribes and to the Pharisees, you need to understand me. I am gentle. Take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is really saying in this context that I'll give you rest from the crushing legalistic burden and the guilt of trying to earn your salvation by good works. I didn't get a lot of amens from you Pentecostals, but I'm here just to remind you that Jesus is gentle and He knows our frame and He knows that we are but dust and He is not come to put heavy burdens and heavy yokes upon us. It doesn't mean that we don't need to walk in obedience. It just means He is gentle. He's a good, good Father. He's not abrasive and He's not harsh and He'll be patient with you as long as you just keep coming. He'll be patient. He'll take time out. He'll show you. He'll convict you. He'll teach you. Here's Matthew 26, 53. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send more than 12,000 legions of angels? What are you saying? I'm saying that the greatest fruit that Jesus exhibited on the cross outside of love was self-control. Because Jesus said, listen here guys, I could bring a legion, six, I believe 12 uh, legions of angels amounts to 72,000 angels. Yeah, I think that's what it is. 12 legions amount to 72,000 angels if I have it right. And so what Jesus was saying is, listen guys, if I wanted to, I could bring 72,000 angels and they could stop the betrayal. They could stop the crucifixion and they could put a halt to all of it. But he says, no man takes my life. I lay it down willingly. Can I just remind you, brothers and sisters, when Jesus was on the cross, he could have looked over at that man and said, how dare my creation nail the creator to the cross. There's a lot of things that Jesus could have said, but he just hushed his mouth and like a sheep, like a lamb went to the slaughter. He presented to us what self-control looks like. It was the fruit of the Spirit that he wanted to let us know you can't do this by willpower, but you can do it by my power. You can pray for those who despitefully use you. Come 
come on somebody but you can't do it on your own that's why you gotta have the supernatural power of almighty God I'm hurrying. Do you understand what I'm talking about? It wasn't God's gifts. God did not heal anyone on the cross. And yet He healed everyone. Did you get it? Yeah. But what He was showing was, I am hanging on this tree and I am showing you the fruit of my love. And this is what's going to change the world. I just got to pause just a minute. Us Pentecostals, we're really in the gifts. And I like the gifts. I like the gift of the Holy Spirit. I like the gifts. The Bible talks about the gifts of the Spirit. But can I tell you, it wasn't His gifts that day that changed the world. It was His fruit. It was the fruit that He bore on that tree that changed the world. And we Pentecostals are always talking about, I'm not that gifted. I'm not gifted to sing or teach or speak or play. I'm not really gifted to do this or do that. Can I tell you, Jesus was your example. He was the first fruits. And He lets you know that it doesn't take giftings to change the world. It's just the fruit of the Spirit. Hereby shall you know that you are My disciples. Not if you're gifted, not if you have a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge, not if you have the gift of faith and see people healed in the miraculous, but hereby shall you know that you are my disciples if you have love one toward another. Are you with me? See, it was the fruit of the cross that changed the world, not the gifts. And every one of us that have been spirit-filled have the fruit. But you can't do this on your own. Huh. That's why you got to go to the cross. <laughs> oh, you didn't get that. He was the first fruits of all things. He went to the cross because every one of us have to go to the cross. Because listen, if you don't go to the cross, you'll try to protect yourself from hurt and pain. And I'll never get done wrong again. And they'll never, Judas will never deny me again. But can I tell you, Jesus didn't live like this in a self-perverting mode or, or self-preservation mode. But Jesus lived like this. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Brothers and sisters, life is all about learning how to love. And you can't love without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But when you get God, you get love. Come on, somebody. And you can say, I forgive you. I release you. I set you free. I'm not going to have a heart that is bitter. I'm not going to have a heart that is angry. Would you stand with me? Did this make sense? Thank all of you for being here on Easter. Thank you so much. But I can tell you right now, I'm not concerned about the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are just a byproduct of His Spirit. But what I want to see is the fruit of the Spirit that can change everything around us. 
See, we can change ourselves by going on a diet and losing some weight, and we can change ourselves by pumping iron and getting some muscles. We can, we can, you know, we can do some things by willpower, right? But we can't change our nature without God's power. See, there is, brothers and sisters, no hope of getting right with God by just keeping the law. The only hope is in the blood and in the righteousness of Christ. That's why the Bible says this, and I don't have time to get into it. I've gone too long already. But here's what the Bible says, that the new way of obedience is fruit-bearing, not law-keeping. I no longer have to keep the law. Why? Because Jesus nailed all the ordinances of the law on the cross. What are you saying, Pastor? Sure, I keep the moral law, right? The Ten Commandments. But I no longer have to bring a bullock or a turtle dove to an altar. Why? Because He became my sacrifice. He became my substitute. He became, here's a big word, my propitiation, which means my substitute or my sacrifice. And He absorbed all of the wrath of God. So that as a sinner, I can approach Him boldly. Did that make sense? See, we have died to the law so that me might live to bear the fruit of love. Stay with me just a minute, please. If you're with me, say amen. I'm going to wrap this up, but here's what the Scripture says. Except a grain of wheat fall into the earth and die, it abideth alone. But if it dies, it will bear forth much fruit. See, Satan is not your biggest problem. You know what your biggest problem is? You know what my biggest problem is? Do this. Yeah, there it is. No, it's my wife. No, it's not. It's my kids. They're crazy. No, it's not. It's my husband. No, it's not. You know what your biggest problem is? I know you don't believe it. I can tell by the look on your face. Your biggest problem is self. And except you allow the Lord to take you to your own personal crucifixion, you're going to always be one in your way and always mad because people aren't giving it to you. But when you realize Jesus said this, it's not about me. So I willfully lay my life down because until that grain of wheat falls into the earth, it abides alone. But if it falls, it'll rise up to bear forth much fruit. You know what most of you are wrestling with? Your own selfish will. Doing it your own way. Trying to preserve yourself because you got hurt. And God was the first fruits. And He's trying to share, share with you, here's how you really want to live. I know it don't make sense to the carnal mind, but the crucified life. Because it's nevertheless, it's not I. But it's Christ. 
It's Christ that is living in me. It's Christ that is loving through me. It's Christ that is forgiving through me. Are you with me this morning? Why? Why does it matter what Jesus did? Because I'm here to tell you. If Jesus, if Jesus can get out of a grave in three days and God can resurrect a dead body, then God can resurrect a dead marriage. Come on, I'm almost done. But if God can resurrect a dead body, then God can resurrect a dead-end job. And if God can resurrect a dead body, then God can resurrect a dead-end relationship. And God is saying to somebody here today, God wants resurrection life in you. He wants the fruit of His Spirit to change you. He wants you to die to yourself so that you can live for Christ. That's why it matters. If you're a believer in this house and you receive this Word, would you just lift up your hands and ask the Lord to help us? Would you ask the Lord to help us? Father, I know, God, that we can't do this on our own. Lord, it's not in us to do it. But I pray today, God, that Your people would receive Your Word. That all of us would understand it was the fruit of the Spirit that changed the world that day. And God, help us to bear forth Your fruit. In Jesus' mighty name. Now, if this Word resonated with you, look, it's only 10 minutes after 11. you got the rest of the day to do whatever you want. But if this resonated with you, I want you to just step out from where you are right now. And I just want you to come to this front and I want you to ask God to help us. I'm telling you, TPC, I'm not... I'm not concerned about cute church this morning on Easter. I'm concerned about God transforming us. I'm concerned about somebody taking an angry heart and saying, God, I need a heart transplant. I want the fruit of the Spirit. I hope you don't take this the wrong way. But Paul, I don't want to check the thermostat. I want to change the climate. And Jesus didn't change the climate of the world by His gifts on the cross. But He did change the world by the fruit of His life. And I can't even begin to tell all of you sweet people how much that I want this community to walk into this church and not feel judgmentalism or condemnation. But I want them to walk into this house. And I want, to, I want them to see a group of people that are not perfect but forgiven. That haven't arrived but we're on our way. That don't think that we're all that in a bag of chips. But at least we're trying to put one foot in front of the other. And the love of God to be shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost.
Come on, I don't know where you've been and I don't know what has happened to you. But I am begging you, don't live like this. Don't live like this. Why? Because the very thing that you want can't come in. And the very thing that you need, which is love, can't come in because you got it blocked. But the crucified life, I know it don't make sense, but this is an inverted kingdom. He says, in order to live, you got to die. In order to be great, you got to serve. In order to change the world, you got to stop living for yourself and live for purposes bigger than who you are. Sister Kaylee, sing that song. He thought I was worth saving. And I wonder if you're a believer, I just want you to lift up your hands all over this house. Somebody cry out on this Easter Sunday morning. He thought I was worth saving. So you came and changed my God, I need a heart transplant, God. Come on, somebody in this Get honest. Me up inside. You thought I was to die for. So you sacrificed your life so I could be free, so I could be whole, so I could tell everyone I know. You thought I was worth saving. Yeah. So you came and changed my life. You thought I was. 
something to make you feel awkward because I want you to come back. But listen, if you're a believer, I want you to put your hand on your neighbor's shoulder and I want you to pray. I want you to pray this message that the fruit of the Spirit would be displayed in our life. And if there's anything in our heart that God would give us a heart transplant right now, if there's any bitterness or resentment, if there's any hatred in the name of Jesus, right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. God, take our sin and give us, oh God, your righteousness. Take our hate, our envy, and give us your peace. God, take our unforgiveness and give us, oh God, the right spirit.
Did that word make sense? Did that word make sense? It takes a long time. to really start figuring out what life is all about. It really does. I wish that I could go back to the day I was 24, to the day I got married, and I wish I could live my life from the day I got married forward. Because it's taken me a long time to understand that life is about two things. It's about loving God. It's about loving people. And it's about laying my will down. Because after I knew I wasn't going to be able to be a rock and roll drummer, then I said, well, I want to be a pilot. And I like to fly. I like to meet new people and eat different places and see different locations. So I'm going to be a pilot. Yeah, that didn't work out either. And when God called me to preach, I didn't want to preach. I grew up in a preacher's home. I've got the utmost respect for my parents. Love them. Don't have anything against preachers. Love preachers. I just didn't want to be one. I told daddy, I said, dad, may, maybe I can work my way up. I told him this. Maybe I can work my way up and be a pilot, make some really good money, and I'll be one of your best tithe payers. He just looked at me. He just said, well, son, I hope that works out for you if that's what God wants. But I could take you to a, a chair in our living room. It was all different colors. And right there is where the Lord called me to preach. And I didn't want to because it's not what I wanted. And I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but just know if you can get this not because you're not smart but just because we want our own way but listen God knows what's going to make you happier than what you even know why because he made you and he's got a plan for your life and if you would just die to self so that you can really live for his purposes can I tell you right now the reason why I keep y'all so long is because I absolutely love what I do. I don't want to fly a plane. I don't want to be a rock and roll drummer. I want to do exactly what I'm doing. There's nothing greater than living for God's purposes for your life. So lay down your own selfish ambitions and say, Yes, Lord. I will say yes to you. Father, I thank you. Because I know your spirit is here. It is here to convict us, to challenge us, to draw us. To get us to that place, Lord, where we really want happiness and we want joy. But we're trying to get it our way. And it will only come through the crucified life and when we lay down ourselves and we pick up our cross 
and we follow you. I pray, God, your divine protection upon each and every person here today. And let the seed of this word go deep. Let it lodge in the soil of our heart. May it bring forth fruit in due season. May all of this community know. Hereby are you my disciples. Because you have love. 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 For one another. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is here right now. Would you just slip your hand up and say yes? Come on, to the God that has everything and needs nothing. All He wants is one thing, and that's you to say yes to Him. Say yes to Him. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What are you doing, Pastor? The Bible says in stillness and in quietness shall be your guide. God just wants to speak to someone right here. Say yes to Him. Yes, Lord. Say, what was that about, Pastor? Well, we believe. We believe that God can speak to His people. And the Lord is just telling somebody, come on, follow Him, for He is the way. He is the truth. And He is the life. He wants your life to bear forth fruit. So that when you walk into a room, people look and they sit something different about you. They sense a joy on you, a peace. 
You walk into the room not looking or asking, what can you do for me? But you walk into the room looking and asking, what can I do for you? How can I help you? How can I add value to your life? Thank you, Jesus. Do you receive this word today? I want to go back to my favorite course. Thank all of you for your time. I know you've been standing. But I'm so interested in transformation and I know that the world can't do it. But God can. Only God can give a heart transplant. Only God can change your life. I wanted just to go back to that course. I love you. I love you. I love you. And as we're dismissed today, I wonder if you would just turn around and give somebody a smile, a handshake, a hug, whatever is appropriate. Wish them happy Easter.